Hey, fellow Mathers, before we get into this episode, we want to share with you how you can get access to free content, professional learning that will keep your students engaged and doing the math that matters. Get ready to go to this link, mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. That's right. Registration is open for the free Math is Figure Outable challenge that's starting May 15th and runs to the 17th at 7 p.m. Central. We're going to have three nights jam-packed with learning and routines that you can take straight to your classroom. In these challenges, we have a great time. We do some math, talk about classroom experiences, give away super cool bonuses and prizes. You won't just walk away with routines that are naturally engaging and encourage your students to think mathematically. You'll also have a chance to win over 6 k worth in prizes, including a few virtual PD sessions for your school. I'll be joined by my wonderful co-host, Kim, and special guest, Jenna Labe. You can register at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge for a fantastic learning experience. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Now on to the show. Hey, fellow mathematicians. Welcome to the podcast where math is figureoutable. I'm Pam. And I'm Kim. And we're here to suggest that mathematics class is more about mathematizing, not about mimicking or memorizing, but it's about thinking and reasoning, about creating and using mental relationships. That math class can be less like it has been for so many of us and more like mathematicians working together. We answer the question, if not algorithms, then what? So for the last couple of weeks, we have been doing an important series about multiplication facts. So just to summarize, in episode 34, we shared some clarification around the words memorization, automaticity, and fluency, kind of big ideas. Mm-hmm. In episode 35, we described some things that teachers often do in the name of helping kids learn multiplication facts that actually do not work like we want them to because they're focused on either learning the facts in isolation, using shame to motivate, or emphasizing speed. Mm -hmm. And then in episode 36, we shared one of our favorite ways to build facility with facts using problem strings. So Favorite favorite way, yep. Yeah, so in today's (laughs) wrap-up, we want to share some more ideas about what we would recommend as you're working with students and their multiplication facts. So this one is super fantastic for both parents and teachers. Yeah, in last week's episode, number 36, you said, Kim, that you thought the most important thing you did was putting multiplication at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the year to give it lots of time, right? Because then you could do it all year long. But I think one of the most important facts that you did in your teaching was your attitude about multiplication facts. You were also in it for the long haul for the whole year, and you were committed to giving kids lots and lots of opportunities to experience facts. That attitude showed because you didn't freak out if a student didn't just know a fact. (laughs) The expectation that you had was that if they didn't just know it, they were supposed to figure it out. I think that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could have provided students with an answer, right? If they didn't know one or have them look on a a chart, maybe on their desk or on the wall. Like you could have asked, or you don't know it, somebody else. Like, you know, skip over. No. Yeah. But listen, I don't think we emphasize this enough. When kids are figuring out something, that's when the learning is happening, mm-hmm. right? It's not about the answer. It's about the mathematizing they're doing. And in this case, building their uh, multiplicative reasoning 
by figuring out the facts that they don't. Yeah, absolutely. They get the facts. They own the facts. Yeah. But as a result of the thinking and the reasoning that they've been doing, and then we also get, correspondingly, we get them reasoning multiplicatively. Yeah. It's so important that we are building their reasoning. Y'all, if you want more about why it's so important to build their multiplicative reasoning or, or all of their reasonings, check out episodes five and six, where we really get at developing mathematical reasoning and why that's so important. Because it is more important that we have multiplicative reasoners than we have the facts. But if we develop multiplicative reasoners, then they also have the facts. So we get both um, in the same bang. So interesting, when I walk around the country and I ask middle school students everywhere a most missed fact, like I just grab a most missed fact, seven times eight, six times eight, nine times seven, like pick pick a most missed fact. Yep. I primarily get one of two answers. Either that kid will look at me, they'll look me in the eye and they'll be like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> Which mm -hmm. means they think the fact is no or not knowable. Yeah. That's huge, right? They don't think the fact is figure outable and math is figure outable the facts are figure outable so we want to make sure students know oh there it is your job right now to figure it out i didn't ask you if you knew it i asked you what it is what do you know and figure it out from there or the other thing that kids will do is they'll skip count because the teachers have left them too inefficient well we don't want them skip counting that's additive reasoning uh, unless they're beginning right if you're like a teacher sure. beginning or wherever kids are if that's what they're doing don't slap their hand. It's not about shaming. It's not about saying, don't do that. It's about like helping them build to do something more productive, more sophisticated. All right. So let me give you, I, I just said that one of the thing, most important things I think you did was your attitude. Let me tell you how I know that. A, you had my own personal kids, but yeah. B, you know, you were their teacher. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Not stressful but at all. <laughs> Come on. Was, <laughs> you were great. <laughs> anyway. Um, one, uh, so I was working with teachers in the district and one day uh, some teachers told me, hey, Pam, we're a little concerned that um, teachers are mishearing you and they're hearing you say, don't have the kids wrote memorize their facts. They're hearing that it that don't have the kids learn their facts at all. Right. And I was like, oh, no, not what I mean. I absolutely want the facts at their fingertips. I just want to get there through relationships. And so sure. in that concern, I decided to go video kids to see, you know, how the facts were going. I wanted some proof, some evidence. So I grabbed some of your students. Yep. And it was fascinating to see what they did. Y'all, let me tell you the, the first most important thing I want you to remember. Every single kid that I asked in her class, what is, um, when I didn't, I asked them six times seven, I asked them 11 times 12. Those were for sure two, and then maybe more. Um, every single one of those kids either told me the answer or figured it out and then told me the answer. Yeah. What they didn't do, none of them, not even the most struggler kid in that room, none of them said, I don't know. Like not a one. They they knew their job was to figure it out. None of them were panicked. None of them were nervous. None of them freaked out. None of them like got, oh, like I should know that. I'm sad. None of them recited a rhyme or sang a song. And nobody like had those crazy posters we talked about last time. Like every single one of them knew it was their job to tell me what the product was. And if they didn't just know it, they figured it out in a multiplicative mathy kind of way. I'm so proud. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> that's news to you, huh? Yeah. It no, is. it was it was fabulous. And that's what we're after, right? We are after that kind of automaticity with kids yeah. or or that they know their job is to figure it out. And and every single one of them were able to get to the correct answer. Yeah. Um some of them took longer. It was fourth sure. grade. They're still learning the facts. Um, yeah. 
It was a great, yeah. it was fabulous. So really important is for everybody to realize that that attitude towards facts. Um, in fact, let me just say parents. So often when Kim and I are like talking with your kids and you're standing there, one of the things that we, we won't do it, of course, but we are tempted to like put our hands over your mouth just a little bit yeah. because we'll ask your kid a question and the kid starts to think because they're like clear because our attitude toward it is figured out. Yes. And the parents are like, you know that you should know that. Come on. You know that yes. it's, it's, it's like your, your self-esteem is on the line. And, and so you're like, come on, kid, like show that we're good in this family. We can do the math thing. We would much rather have you let your student think, give right. them the time, like don't panic, don't panic for them. Don't have that causes their panic. And then all the math anxiety. Yeah. The thinking is so important. Yeah. So you asked what were some of the things that I focused on? And um, mm -hmm. we have already mentioned the order of the sequence for the year. Yeah. So and last the, episode we talked mm -hmm. about that. Uh-huh. And the order of sequence for the facts that we introduced. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the routines that we did to work on those relationships were basic fact problem strings. And if you know anything about Pam at all, you know, she's a huge advocate for problem strings. Um, and last week's episode was all about using problem strings to build single digit facts. Um, also, you may have seen a Facebook live where she's done a string. Um, and if you'd like to see what that might look like, you can check out the playlist of Facebook lives in her figuring math YouTube channel or in the show notes where we'll put some links. Yep. Absolutely. Besides problem strings, Kim, I know that you played a lot of games throughout the yeah. year. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk about a couple of games that I saw you play with your students. Okay. One of them were, uh, one of them was a game from investigations in data, number and space. And they were all about arrays, uh, right. uh, like the area model. And so um, we really liked the fact that in the, um, that curriculum they had, or in that textbook series, they had these rectangles that represented the facts. So if it was a four by nine, then it literally looked like a, a, a squatty rectangle yes. that was four rows by nine columns. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, then, then there were several games that you could play with those. And, and they had all the facts were represented on these arrays. So if you looked at this array card deck, it was these several di uh, different shapes and sizes because like a seven times eight was bigger than a six times eight was right. bigger than a five times eight. Right? right. But you had all of those rectangles in those dimensions with all the same sort of unit length for all of them. And then we could play lots of games. with. Them. One of the things we liked about those games is that they were very differentiable. So one of the games I like to talk about just a little bit, and because it's so naturally differentiated, and that's one of the things we like about games is that you just sort of put the cards out on the floor. You just kind of like no, no order and they're just kind of all over the place. And then a kid, looks for one that they can figure out. And so maybe I'll, I'm a kid and I see a four by eight and I pick up that four by eight. And then I say, Ooh, the product is 32. And then I put that card in a, here's you know my pile or whatever. And then my partner might go and my partner might look at some of the cards that are flipped over where I don't mm -hmm. see the closed array. I don't see all the grid marks. So when I saw the four by eight, I saw the grid marks that showed four rows by eight columns, but the other kid might see a card that's flipped over that it says 36. And then that kid just sees an, uh, an open array and just the number 36. And so their job is to think, which factor pair am I looking at? Well, that's really cool because if it's a square, then they should guess that that's six by six. But if it's a rectangle, then they should guess that it's a four by nine or a nine by four, or maybe even a three times 12, or uh, I don't know if the 12s are in there. Like that they have to sort of think about if it's a square, I, okay, it's got to be six times six. If it's a rectangle, well, how squatty is that rectangle? How squished is it? You're like yeah. is it a four by nine? Is it a three by 12? Um, that was brilliant. And so see how naturally differentiated that was because kids could choose kind of the closed array look or they can choose where, where they're looking at like kind of what's the fact. 
or the open array looked where they're looking from the product to what could the factor pairs be. Ah, I loved it. That was a great yeah. game. So another one that I saw you play that we have then since done lots with is called the product game. Um, and it has different names, but this is what it looks like. It kind of looks like a tic-tac-toe board where it has lots of products. Each square um, is a product. And then they can choose from factors to create those products. And then um, if they choose the factors, then they put an X in that product and they're trying to get uh, four or five in a row. Um, but there's a lot of strategy involved because when you're choosing the factors to then get your product, you can only, um, the game starts out with two markers and you can only move one of the markers. And right. so if the if first player puts them on five and seven and then puts their X on 35, then now it's my turn. I can only move one of the markers. So my next product is going to either have to have a five in it or it's going to have to have a seven in it. And so I start looking around the board at different products to decide, well, you know, where am I going to move my marker to choose which number? Cause I might want to block you. And oh my gosh, the levels of um, strategy that get involved. Sometimes kids are thinking two or three moves down the road, which is again, brilliantly naturally differentiated. If I'm a kid that doesn't know any facts, I'm kind of randomly choosing two products. I go see if I can find their factor. And then if it's already taken, okay, I choose another one. And if it's not taken, then I put my, my mark there. Mm -hmm. um, but if I'm a student who knows the facts, then I can play with that student because I'm thinking three or four moves ahead. Yeah. At, well, if I move my marker there, then that will allow them to move the marker there. And then they can get that product and they can't block me and all the things. So yeah. we really, really like that one. We will put a link uh, to these games in the show notes. So uh, if you want to want to check that out, check out the link in the show notes to know more about those. So Kim, these are great games. Will you tell us how you choose a game? Because I've actually heard you say, if you guys haven't picked up on it by now, Kim's a little snarky. <laughs> and I have actually heard you say that you think that there's a lot of games out there for kids to learn their facts right. and about 50% of them are any good. <laughs> I might have, might have said that. And actually, yeah. I'll definitely share some things. But before I do that, I want to mention um, two other games that I did not play in my classroom because they, to my knowledge, were not um, available um, until yes. just like the last year or two. Gotcha. Um, Prime Climb is a huge, huge game that I absolutely love. Um, and I'm not you say huge, you just you love it hugely. It's I not love like it a hugly. big game. It's not a big, it's not a big game. game. Sorry. Yeah, okay. No, I, it's big, big love for Prime Climb. And um, and I'm not going to really describe it because you can search it and get a great description. But Prime Climb and and actually that's a for purchase game. It is a for purchase game. If you yep. if you have a, a classroom wish list, if that's ever a thing for you, I don't know. But um, Prime Climb might be a game to purchase. But more recently, um, this Christmas, I got my younger son the game Multi, M-U-L-T-I, Multi. And it is phenomenal. I absolutely <laughs> love this game. I've mentioned it several times to Pam before. And it is um, like a double layer tic-tac-toe board. And mm -hmm. kids are thinking about multiplication the entire time. It is so fantastic. So nice. one of the reasons that I love these games is because they have a lot of the things that I consider fantastic for games. So let me just mention a few things. One, everyone can enter into the game. Mm -hmm. There's whether you're additively thinking and you're skip counting, you can still play. That's, that's a huge component for me. I do not like games where, um, you know, only some of your kids can play, but the other ones have to go play something different because they're not quite ready for it. And so everybody like, can tell, right? It's mm -hmm. real visible. Who's on what game. Yes. Right? But yes that's so shameful. Um, I also love games that are, um, they, they are naturally differentiated. Um, I love simple instructions. 
right? I do not want to spend an entire class period learning to play a game um, and modeling it. And then we never get to play again. So, you know, time is important and we don't have a ton of it. So I want simple instructions. Um, and simple instructions is helpful too, because as, as then you can send kids off to play it and you, you're not worried that they are like, what were the rules again? And yeah. looking all, you know, and they get frustrated. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a, yep. Yeah. Um, and, and I think one of the other things that I think about a lot is that a game with strategy is almost required for me. Mm-hmm. I yep. do not want kids playing a game where it is just you go, I go, you go, I go, and they don't have to do a lot of thinking. Mm-hmm. So games that they're working with facts in the midst of doing something bigger, something strategy is really a, a big choice for me. And fun. That's what makes it fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and again, also differentiated because because you can have kids that are just sort of working on the thing, yeah. but you have kids that are totally messing with strategy. So I think we mentioned this before, but I am absolutely not a fan of games that have time elements. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's some sort of speed component to it. Um, yep. I just... We obviously feel like kids need time to think and the more yeah. they're exposed and the more the experience they have with their facts, the better they're going to be. Um, if I can, I'm going to mention that there is a computer program mm-hmm. that I ha- think have some really, really good things about it, mm-hmm. but there's a portion of it that one of my sons um, absolutely avoids. And it's one of those, it, it doesn't matter what the actual game is, but there's a lot of, a lot of programs that use this, but it's one of those things where a fact will move across the screen and you only have a certain amount of time to enter the answer. Mm-hmm. And the, just the act of adding a time component to it sends him into a tizzy and he actually knows his facts, right? I mean, he has a great kid. Yeah. So I, I remember you saying there's this bit in this, in this app that section. he just keeps he just keeps skipping and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to poke in on that. I'm going to like see, see what's going on. And you came back and you're like, oh, of course, like it's stupid. It's like, it's, it, it's, it's, it's pretending that being good at the facts is all about being fast yeah. at the facts. And that's not what we believe or what we want to promote. And interesting. So interesting that your awesome kid who is mathematizes with the best of them was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. yeah no stress. Right. We don't want to do things that are stressful. Yeah. So remember, we want to take the long view, listeners. We we want to ha- have this idea that it's not about memorizing facts, at, you know, like one shot or doing one kind of a task. We've played the game once. You should know your facts. We have the long view. We're going to develop the relationships and develop the facts over time, all year long, play games and do the um, routines that we talked about last time to help build multiple multiplicative reasoning and the facts at the same time. Yeah. And so once we had had some time to develop some of those ideas, when we reached the part of the year where I felt like I'd given facts their due and I knew we could sort out ones that kids knew at their core and ones they didn't own yet. Hey, Kim, I got to be honest with you. I'm looking at the time. This is already longer than we intended this episode to be. So I, <laughs> so many I know. Here. <laughs> so I know we said at the beginning that this is the last episode of the series, but I'm going to make an executive decision as we're recording right now that we're going to do one more next week for the second half of what we'd planned to talk about today. Do it. So, so next week, stay tuned for uh, the last episode. Or maybe I should just say the next episode <laughs> in this series because I don't know how long this is going to go. So let's finish today out with remember, everybody, that it's about taking the long view. Play these games, but play them a lot. Play them over and over and over again. This is a process. Yeah. And your attitude makes such a big difference. Use games and routines all year long. Next year, like keep going. 
do have your kids practice, right. but without the shame, without time pressure, and not just learning facts in isolation. So good. Um, we would love for you to join us on Math Strat Chat on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram on Wednesday evenings where we explore problems with the world. And speaking of the world, let's change the way across the world that we teach mathematics. So will you please share the podcast with your friends and colleagues, with your parent friends? Um, uh, and also, if you don't mind giving us a rating and a review uh, on, the, on your favorite place where you listen to the podcast, because that helps more people find the podcast. So y'all, if you're interested to learn more mathematics and you want to help yourself and your students develop as mathematicians, then the Math is Figure Outable podcast is for you because math is figure outable. Thank you for listening and making math more figure outable. To learn even more, make sure you register for our free challenge at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. You are not going to want to miss the evenings of May 15th through 17th, starting at 7 p.m. Central. Math teaching, math teaching, go register now. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Join us to make math more and more figure outable. And if you can't join live, register and we'll send you access to the recordings. We'll see you there.